Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. It'd be hilarious if it wasn't true. I think if you asked Siri to show you a picture of a mobster, this is probably what it would come back with. But it is true. The man is real. And for six weeks, he's been laying waste to the Turkish establishment. And actually, it has a grimly hilarious side. Believe it or not, that's a Turkish mob boss on the run who's been making the most sensational claims on YouTube about corruption and organised crime links right at the top of the government of President Erdogan. That's Turkey's interior minister, Suleyman Soylu, on Haberturk, national television. He's been Pekar's main target. The claims run from drug trafficking to rape and murder. And though they're all being fervently denied, the Turkish public are transfixed. The opening of all these videos is he says to various people, are you here and are you ready? You're listening to Stories of Our Times and The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm David Aronovich. Today, the mob boss waging YouTube war on the Turkish government. My name's Hannah Lucinda-Smith. I'm a correspondent in Turkey. I've been in Turkey for nearly a decade. I'm also the author of a book about President Erdogan called Erdogan Rising. Sadat Peker is a Turkish mafioso who in recent weeks has turned a YouTube star. He's got 1.17 million subscribers and a whole lot to say. Tell me what it is that I am looking at. Who is this man? And I think perhaps we should describe him. So we're looking at a Turkish man, middle-aged, in a black shirt and buttoned halfway to his navel, all the better to show off his massive medallion, sitting behind a desk in a conference room, papers arranged quite neatly in front of him and what appears to be a bowl of soup <laughs> for some reason and a flip chart behind him which has got writing to do with Iran and he's very animatedly talking to camera in a monologue and uh, this particular video goes on for one hour and nearly 18 minutes all of which is him delivering quite an impressive monologue he never seems to kind of stumble or trip up he's certainly very good in front of the camera if nothing else 
So that's what's going on. And if you don't speak Turkish, that's what you see. Now, if you do speak Turkish, what is he talking about? His name is Sedat Peker. He's very well known to anyone in Turkey, even before he started publishing videos. He is a mob boss, let's put it bluntly. He's been around since the late 90s. As much as he sort of looks like quite enjoyable company in these videos, he's a very bad man. He's been tried for murder, but acquitted. He's been imprisoned for racketeering, coercion, robbery, forgery false imprisonment. He was accused at some point of political crimes. So in 2013, he was convicted of part of being an organization that was plotting to overthrow the government, although I should say that the evidence against him in that case was spurious. He's a kind of long-term mobster. And the interesting thing about Turkey is there is this breed of guys like Sedef Peker who are kind of celebrity Mafioso. So he was already really, really well known even before the start of May when he started publishing a series of really extraordinary videos on his YouTube channel. These videos are being filmed in what looks like high definition from what are obviously suites and conference rooms in expensive hotels. But not in Turkey, which he left in a hurry last year. He appears to be in Dubai as he's making these videos. What he is alleging is that he fled the country with the help and on the advice of people within the Turkish government who had tipped him off that there was an investigation into him, that he was on the brink of being arrested again and that he ought to leave the country. The newspapers have just been absolutely full of stories. All the videos, I mean, you can see this one that we're looking at. It's had more than 18 million views. I mean, How many? It was released on May the 23rd. So in the space of a month, 18 million views. It's dominated conversation for the past six weeks. Everyone has something to say about it. He's the mob boss at this point who's captured the imagination of Turkey. And so to the allegations themselves. What's interesting is that Peko shied away from directly implicating Erdogan himself, but those around him are very much in the frame. The kind of allegations that he's making in these videos are pretty wild. They sort of stretch all the way to the top of the Turkish government. I'll go into some of the specific ones in a bit more detail. But they've absolutely transfixed Turkey since the start of May. Coincidentally, the point where he started releasing these videos once a week on Sunday mornings was also a point when Turkey was in a complete COVID curfew. So in one sense, it was kind of, you know, very welcome distraction while we were all stuck in our house. But on the other hand, it's the fact that somebody who for many years was known to be very close to President Erdogan in many ways. He'd organized rallies. He'd made quite sort of violent statements against opponents of Erdogan. All of a sudden seems to have done a 180 and has turned Oracle whistleblower I don't know. Supergrass. Supergrass. So, yeah, it's absolutely transfixed Turkey. So how many of these videos have there been so far? There have been nine which have followed this kind of format. So Sedat Peker sat in front of the camera delivering a really long monologue and talking about a specific kind of uh, case of corruption or a specific area of corruption. One question, of course, is why Turkish viewers are willing to pay such heed to a man with a background as dodgy as Pekers. 
He has never been convicted of murder. He's certainly been accused of that. He's certainly said some pretty horrific things. So just a few years ago, back in 2016, when Sadat Pekka was still very much an Erdogan man, at that time, a peace process between the Turkish government and Kurdish militants was breaking down. And there was a group of several hundred Turkish academics who signed a petition calling for peace and calling for the peace process to be put back on track. And this turned into a major political thing. A lot of those academics were arrested, charged with supporting terrorism. Erdogan made it one of his kind of rhetorical cause the celebrities to kind of bash these academics when he was on stage, say that they were, you know, anti-Turkish and undermining the nation. And so Deb Pekka at that time stood up and said, I'll take a shower in the blood of these academics. So one of the things that I find really weird about what's happened over the past six weeks is that even Turks I know who are very liberal, educated people are sort of team Pekka at the moment and thinking that he's the guy who's going to bring down the Turkish government. And it's been left to some of these academics to give interviews saying, no, hang on, this guy is not a hero. Remember what he did just a few years ago. In the Pekka videos, one man emerges as a principal target. His name is Suleyman Soylu, and he's Turkey's interior minister, the man in charge of the police. Siyasetin ana malzemesi haline getirip bir tarafına koymak ve bu videoları izletmek. That's Mr. Soylu on national television defending himself and calling the accusations against him and others the most disgusting lies and of course part of a foreign operation to bring down the Turkish government. But who exactly is Suleyman Soylu? Six weeks after the coup attempt against Erdogan in 2016, he was appointed as interior minister. Now, Sulu is, in ministerial terms, the ultimate representation of this ultra-nationalist deep state influence within Erdogan's circle at this point. He is a man who clearly has his own ambitions. It's it's really, really interesting to watch videos of Soylu during the height of the latest bout of fighting between the Turkish security forces and the PKK in the east in the east of the country. Particularly in 2016, that fighting was horrific. A lot of it was in sort of city centres. The death toll was absolutely huge. And a lot of that fighting was carried out on the part of the Turkish state, not only by the army, but also by the police and gendarmerie special forces. We don't really have an equivalent in the UK. They're paramilitaries within the police and the gendarmerie, which are controlled by the Interior Ministry rather than the Ministry of Defence. So they're kind of outside of that military chain of command. And it's absolutely fascinating to see Soylu going to the east to visit these guys. I mean, you would think that he was the president when he's speaking to them. He commands a huge amount of loyalty amongst them. What is Pekka saying about Soylu? Because obviously this is a, a guy that on the face of it has a big future. Yeah, so it's very, very interesting. Pekka describes Suleiman Soylu as the man I've invested in for 20 years. Probably not the endorsement that you want from a mob boss if you're hoping to run the country, right? Pekka is alleging that he has 
really close ties with Soilu that there's been this kind of mutual back scratching going on for a really long time. And he alleges that Soilu basically tipped him off back in late 2019 or early 2020 when he left Turkey, tipped him off that there was going to be an investigation into him and helped him escape the country. So just to be absolutely clear, this is the equivalent of the Home Secretary at the time tipping off one of the craze that he's about to be raided. Exactly. And Pekker says that, what, he used to meet Solu, that he had regular contacts with him, that the illegal things were done together. Even better than that, he's claiming that even as he's releasing these videos and making these claims, which we should say that Solu completely denies, of course, that he still has contact with Solu through various journalists who are very close to the government. Sulu denied this. The next day, Peke releases a short video and he's taken a video as he's talking on FaceTime to one of these journalists about this. It's absolutely unbelievable. So what's been the impact on Soyla? I imagine these denials are not the usual kind of, actually, I I deny all this, uh, but it's not worth talking about. People are actually more interested in these issues, etc. It's not that kind of denial. Mm, No. Soylu has rejected Peke's claims. He did a really long interview on a television channel called Habertürk about three or four weeks ago. Habertürk TV ekranlarından herkese iyi akşamlar. Ee, yanlış olmaz sanırım. İçişleri Bakanı Süleyman Soylu konuğumuz. Hoş geldiniz Süleyman Bey. Kübren Moşbuluk. It used to be an opposition channel. It's been in the sort of typical way of Turkish media basically brought into line, but it's not one of the sort of screaming banshees of Turkish media. So Sulu went on to a chat show on there, denied everything. The host was bold enough to ask him, will you be resigning? Which is a very brave question to ask to a Turkish minister these days. And he said, no, why would I? And within minutes, a mob had appeared outside Habertürk's studio to defend which also isn't a particularly good look, right? One of the really interesting things is that Peker keeps referring to something that should have happened in April, just before he started doing these videos. Now, there's speculation about what that thing might have been. Some people I speak to say that in April, the case would have been cancelled and he could have come back to Turkey. Some people think that... In April, perhaps Sulu was planning to make a move within the palace to grab power, and then he could have come back. So we are not quite sure which one, if if either of these, he's referring to. Coming up, more revelations from the YouTube supergrass, and what does this story tell us about President Erdogan and his grip on power? But first, a word from our boss. Hi. Poppy Damon here, the editor of the Stories of Our Times podcast. The news, the views, the analysis, the investigations, the exclusives, the interviews and the business. Get more of the Times and the Sunday Times for less with 50% off a digital subscription for six months. Sale now on and it ends June 29th. Subscribe today at thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Let's recap. A Turkish mobster is making viral YouTube videos stuffed with allegations about a top Turkish government minister who's having to defend himself on national television. But that's not the end of it. Oh dear, no. I should also say at this point, you know, give a fairly hefty health warning to the claims that he's making. So, A, as I said at the start, this is not a good man. This is not a man whose words you should sort of take as Bible truth. Secondly, he's clearly in quite a lot of legal trouble. He'd fled the country just a couple of weeks before he started releasing these videos. You hinted before at some of the other accusations that Peck has been making. I have to say, uh, looking at the kind of list, they're absolutely extraordinary. Political killings, death of a journalist and so on. Can you just take us briefly through what some of the most serious of them are? I think, personally, for me, the most serious is the claim that an AKP official was involved in the rape and murder of a very young Kyrgyz journalist. I think on a sort of larger political level, probably the claims about state-organised or state-backed narcotic smuggling with Venezuela, also a private security company with very close links to Erdogan, shipping weapons into factions linked to al-Qaeda in Syria. But here's the thing. None of these claims are actually bolts from the blue. They're all things that were either already suspected or that opposition journalists have already reported and have suffered really heavily for reporting. So in particular, let's take the claim about the shipping of weapons to al-Qaeda-linked groups in Syria. A journalist called Jan Dundar, one of Turkey's most famous journalists, had reported this back in, I think it was 2014. And he basically had to flee the country. He was taken to court. He was up on, I think it was leaking state secrets charges. And then during one of his hearings, as he was giving a press conference outside the courtroom, an assassin fired at him. An assassin tried to kill him. So, you know, these are things that very brave people in opposition media have been alleging for a really long time. Now, that sort of adds to their weight. Also, since Pekera has been releasing these videos, there are some journalists which have 
uh, sort of dedicated themselves to trying to fact check them and have been sort of cross checking and found that, you know, a lot of it does add up. So not so long ago, Peka, Erdogan and Soylu were all buddies. So why has Peka turned on them now? We can hypothesise for hours about his motivations for doing this in the first place. None of it is particularly clear. He's clearly in quite a lot of legal trouble. He'd fled the country just a couple of weeks before he started releasing these videos. There had been a series of police raids on his properties in Turkey and also an Interpol notice put out for him. The other interesting thing and the thing which throws, you know, some questions on what he's doing is the fact that he's doing this from the UAE. There is a really serious regional rivalry between Turkey and the UAE. These two countries do not get on at all. So there might be a geopolitical element as well. So there's a kind of slight vision of the Emiratis saying to him, go on, if you want to enjoy our hospitality, how about another one of those videos that's really embarrassing old Erdogan? Absolutely. One of the times when I sort of sat with friends while this has been going on and inevitably the conversations come around to Sadat Peker. In one of these conversations, a friend of mine uh, who is Algerian was there and he hadn't heard much about this, but when he heard that he was in the UAE doing it, his ears pricked up and he was like, oh, I know what's going on. Believe me, I'm an Arab. Arabs do this to each other all the time, politically. There's a long history of this in the Arab world. If you want to bring down a political rival, you find some way to undermine uh, his image and his respectability. It's not so much... What he's saying is just in this country, in this Turkey that we live in at this point, where even if you make a joke about Erdogan, you go to prison or you could potentially go to prison. To have someone like Sadat Pekka sitting down every week and just laying it all out and making all these accusations is something quite extraordinary. As far as you can tell, what impact is this having with the Turkish people who are watching it? I mean, is it making... AKP supporters who supported that party because it was supposed to be more religious and more pious or because it was more nationalistic, is it actually making them say, this is terrible and maybe we should think again? That's the big question, right? I found some polling that was done about a month ago asking people who'd watched the videos whether they believed his claims or not. And what this poll found was that 48% believed most of the claims, 18% believed some... 23% believe none. So, yeah, you can definitely say that the majority of people who are watching the videos are taking Pekair seriously to some extent. And the views of his videos are absolutely huge. But, again, here's the thing. Did anyone really not know before that this government was not corrupt. The evidence has been there for a really long time and it's really difficult to see how it would make a huge impact on Erdogan at this point, purely because Erdogan has lost so much support already. His polling is the worst it has ever been, both personally and for his party. His party has just lost a huge amount of its base. You know, people who are just completely disillusioned with the amount of corruption going on. There's a number of things that have 
contributed to that. I mean, the general kind of democratic decline, decline in security in Turkey, the economic decline, the handling of the pandemic, a lot of different things. Relating that to what Peker is saying, the people at this point who still do support Erdogan, I don't think there's anything that would make them give up that support. I mean, there is this core of his support, which literally see him almost like a religious figure. Half of people in uh, Turkey's Kurdish region voted for Erdogan and his party, people who liked what he was doing economically, and those have all gone. But they were gone long before Sadat Peker started sitting down on a Sunday morning and you know, pressing send on his monologue videos. There are two years to go before Turkey is due to hold its next presidential elections. Might these videos being released and the reception they've enjoyed presage a defeat for Erdogan and his AKP party. So Erdogan in recent years, what he has started doing is calling snap elections at a point where it's expedient for him to do so. And whatever you might think of Erdogan's politics or his personality, politically, he's really smart. I mean, I would go as far to say as he's a genius. He, What he does really well is he understands the mood of Turkish people and he understands what issues push buttons in Turkey. And he does that through a combination of obsessive polling, but also he's just got a very, very good sense of what Turks want. So he's very, very smart at like finding cleavages in Turkish society that he can play on. And it's really, really telling that just this week, the Constitutional Court has accepted an indictment from a prosecutor to start a case to close down the main Kurdish party. Distraction politics, if he can do something like that, which will just give him a little bit of a boost, or if he can do something to boost the economy, then I think he'll go for early elections. But yeah, he's in a bit of a bind at the moment. He's sort of come to the end of the road with a lot of tricks that he's been playing. I wouldn't want to say we're near the end because I always think never discount Erdogan. He's <laughs> one of the smartest politicians, I think, in the world today still. But I, I certainly think he's well past the kind of you know, his golden era. Finally, Hannah, I think it might be worth responding to the listener who might ask, yeah, it's all interesting, but how important is it to us here in Britain? <laughs> this is a question I've always asked. The answer I'm going to give, people say, well, you would say that because you're the Turkey correspondent. But it's massively important. It is. You might want to keep Turkey out of the European Union. You might want to keep it at arm's length. But it's right there on Europe's doorstep. If you think over the past five, ten years of some of the issues which have bothered people the most in the UK refugees and terrorism. Turkey sits at the centre of both of those. It would take a Syrian refugee kind of two weeks and thousands of euros to get from Turkey into Europe, but it would take a potential ISIS fighter two days and a few hundred quid to go the other way. So you have to deal with Turkey. You have to have stability in Turkey if you want to face these issues. And however much Europe tries to keep Erdogan's Turkey at arm's length. And I think they do. I don't think anyone's under any illusions of what kind of man Erdogan is at this point. They still have to deal with him. And the impression that I get at this point, both from European Union and also from the US, is they're just trying to keep Erdogan on side and just ride it out until a better era 
comes in Turkey. But, you know, this is not North Korea we're talking about. It's not even Iran we're talking about. You can't just sanction it and shut it off because, you know, it's part of NATO, it's part of the G20, and it's right on Europe's doorstep. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times with me, David Aronovich, and my guest, Hannah Lucinda-Smith, Turkey correspondent for The Times. And you can find all of Hannah's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producer was Chris Hemmings and Edward Drummond. The executive producer is Poppy Damon. And sound design was by John Nichols. If you have a story you think we should be covering, an idea for a future episode, we're always very keen on those, or thoughts on what you've just heard, send us an email to storiesofourtimes@thetimes.co.uk. See you tomorrow. 